hey, welcome back to Down Chat Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Martin. And this is a podcast where two gamers dump all their cash on frivolous hobbies and do a deep dive on a variety of topics, from all the sexy, modest waifus to anatomically questionable husbandos. For the record, all of them are anatomically questionable. Uh, husbandos, waifus, and modest might be a bit of a stretch. We can go into that in a bit, but first, we'd like to welcome <laughs> our guest today, Kevin! Hey, how's it going? Welcome. Hey, Kevin. Welcome to the podcast today. So, Kevin, before we kind of talk about you and us, let's kind of jump back real quickly to Martin's comment. What do you think about our... <laughs> mo- <laughs> what do you think about games and modest body types? Be, be honest. Oh, man. Uh, flat is justice. <laughs> <laughs> is justice. That is a great answer. I like um, it. <laughs> I always make the joke of, uh, you know, body types in games are never realistic and that they, they should be large enough that they can be used as alternative weapons. <laughs> so they Which just like twist. It's like, boom. Se- several times <laughs> too big, I would argue. If you want to talk about anatomy or anatomically correct. Every time I show Martin a, a, a picture of a character in the game, he's always like, oh man, back problems. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes, hundred um, percent. Amongst many other types of problems. Anyway, either, yeah, see, th- I don't see a lot of normal. To be honest, it's either grossly overly big, or like small, really really small. There's, there's no, there's no normal. Like, like what happened to all the normal? Like, what happened to people in between? You're either like at zero or you're at a hundred. There's right. no like in between. I think it's really rare to see anime, anime or game characters that are just like average looking these days everyone's either yeah, worked right. with abs or like very well yeah. endowed you're either right. zero or 100 yeah <laughs> anyways uh so welcome again kevin as we, before we start any of our podcasts we always talk about how you know us in this scenario you and i know each other more than you know martin because you just met him do you want to get away of how we met or do you want me to go go about it no yeah i'll give it a shot so yeah, so like uh, Dan said, I know I'm here because I know Dan, actually. So uh, we actually met through one of our mutual friends, uh, and we played a lot of stuff on Discord together. I think mainly Among Us, way back in, I want to say, like, December, the, this like, past year. Yeah, back when it was, like, when it's still pretty high. Like, you don't really hear about Among Us anymore these days. Yeah. Especially since, like, I think I saw Toast, like, way, like, maybe a couple weeks ago. Like, he uploaded his last video ever. For Among Us, oh. I saw something about Twitter about that. Yeah, he he was pretty like hyped during the peak of yeah. Among Us. Yeah, yeah. like him and all, all that gang over there. I think a lot of folks like got a lot of recognition, got a lot of following during his peak. We should have started streaming at that time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So our mutual friend, she actually came on a podcast earlier, and uh, I guess oh. it'll be released by the time before this one comes out, but. Annie uh, just invited a whole bunch of people for Among Us during his peak, and uh, it was a really good time. I was known as the uh, vent dancer. I would just dance on vents. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was my first experience playing Among Us, bas- uh, basically, when um, uh, she invited me on, as well as a couple of our other friends, to just kind of hop in your server and just uh, have, some, have, have some good times. Martin, what was your experience with Among Us at its peak? Honestly, I didn't play a ton of it. It was... A lot with some of my coworkers. Actually, I think my first game of Among Us with coworkers. We enjoyed the the lying and deceit type games, especially me. I think 
myself and one of my other coworkers, we we like bullshitting people. So mm. it's it's the funniest thing when when you're the the imposter or the murderer, and yeah. you can get away with it. And there's other games that are kind of similar loosely. Wasn't so. there a recent game you and uh, some of our friends got into? Yeah. So to shamelessly see, I don't even work for them, but we played a game called Deceit. That that's the name of the game, and it's like Among Us, but FPS. So it's in the first person, and all the people are armed with guns, and the goal is to either shoot down and kill the monster. Uh, or the monster transforms at night because during the day it takes a human form, so you don't know who's who, right? But they can transform at night, and their job is to kill, uh, kill all the humans. So it's kind of the same thing, except a little bit more, more shootery. Okay. Have you heard? And of it's, free. it's free. I have not. No, maybe I have not heard, heard of this one. Yeah, maybe something you play with your friends. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah. So all our longtime listeners know that you know Martin and I are. Can I call and call us avid gamers? Are we just ca- are we just filthy casuals? <laughs> I don't. I, I can't call myself a casual because, like, we play games enough, games. but we're not like yeah. we like. I feel like when you, when you think of a stereotype, like, what's a stereotypical image when you say gamer? Is I think like someone who's like ch- stuck in it, you know, in their man man cave in a basement, long yep. greasy hair, sweaty. Yeah, like five hour sessions every day or whatever i mean we're not really far off from five hour sessions every night when we play uh, i don't i don't know about five hours you get pretty close with one of our friends for sure who plays during a work day okay he plays <laughs> yeah okay so he, like, he plays during the work day so that's that's not really a fair comparison so yeah. he, he might meet that five hour mark but uh we get pretty close though like i think you hit like three to four hours Cause you start start at eight and then you end at eleven, something like that. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Kevin? What, how would you define your gamer reputation or image? A little bit more avid than what you have described already. Um, <laughs> luckily, it's the summer. Uh, right now, I don't have any work during the summer, so uh, just because of the the job that I'm ah, in. Nice. Uh, so then I have tons of time during the day. So. As soon as I'm awake, I pull up my phone or my tablet, maybe turn on my PC, and then I get on like the first of many games I play right. <laughs> throughout the day. Wow! How many? Just, how many, on, on a, just on off throughout. How many? Uh, so I guess to like to go, to just introduce what we're talking about today, we're talking about gacha gaming and games in general, but mainly gacha gaming. Kevin, do you, like off the top of your head, how many gacha games are you like maintaining on a daily basis? Uh, that I'm juggling at the moment, right? Yeah. You can take Five a time or six. count. <laughs> Five or six. Five or six. Um, I'm juggling a few as well. Do we count Genshin as a ga- gacha? I would Genshin, I, I would count as a gacha as well. Is that, yeah, I think because so. Technically, it's marketed also as a mobile game. I almost feel like sometimes it's just... It's like, it feels like an MMO, but I know it's not, because it's not... By definition, it doesn't fit the, yeah, right. the mold. But it just feels like it, because it feels like an actual, like... H, like HD game. Basically. Okay, so I have Fate, Summoner's Wars, Genshin. So I have three gotchas on the go playing. Right. I'm experimenting here and here and there on other ones, but mm-hmm. mainly three. One of them's easier to juggle. Summoner's War is more a lot of AFK. You can do a lot of autoing, so okay. not as bad. Fate and Genshin requires a little bit more active play. I would say in total a day, I would probably spend... Rrr, I would say one or two hours cumulatively just trying to do my dailies if I rush them. 
Would you say that's your experience as well? Just to do a bare minimum, or is it more bare minimum? Going through all the games, yeah. Like if I was, if I'm just trying to rush and do bare minimum, yeah, I'd say about two hours, honestly, between all those games. All right. So, Martin, what's your experience with Gacha Games so far? I don't have a lot. And are uh, you playing any right now? Am I playing any right now? Actually, I was about to say no, but. I've been playing Magic MTG Arena or Magic the Gathering Arena. So Ooh. I guess that kind of counts because it's you can pay money for booster packs for cards, which is essentially gotcha, right? That's really interesting because card games is like the OG gotcha, but we've never yeah. coined it as that, right? You know, when you're opening Pokemon boosters when you're young, it's like, ooh, rare cards. But yeah. it really is the OG gotcha before gotcha became a thing. Yes, it is probably my first... Besides, like, my first actual experience with something that's gacha-like would be, like, opening my first pack of, my booster pack of Pokemon cards. Uh, besides actual gacha machines, which I've also played like, with as a kid. Yeah. When I could get away with it. Because my parents would be like, ew, waste the money. Right. Why would I waste a quarter or, or whatever on this? Uh, <laughs> like, well, yeah, there it is, guys, there right? it is. Yeah, there you go. I, I would I would spend so much money in, uh, at lunchtime in high school because... Our, we, have a, we have a plaza right across our sc- my high school, yeah. and they will have this little gachapon. Like gachapon, if people don't know what that is, just preface: yeah, it's different from gacha games. Gachapon is literally those little capsules. If you can't visually see us right now, <clears throat> it's a little capsule with a toy or some sort of thing inside. Yeah. Think of it like a Kinder Surprise egg, but like features different themed toys in a machine. Yeah, you can. You can find them at most like grocery stores, right? Like at the entrance of like a lot of grocery stores. Yeah, I've seen them a lot at like, for example, like Loblaws, Food Basics, yeah, it, like those exactly, guys. Those yeah. also no have frills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, with like toy rings and little keychains. Right. Yeah. Asian yeah. toys are so much better. So much better. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we just offended all our Western yeah. audience. <laughs> but, but that's essentially what they are. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting that card games, that euphoria you get from getting a rare or something really cool, and that kind oh, of man. gambling addiction starts as a childhood. Because yeah. that's essentially what it is, right? You're gambling. Yeah. I spent You're so, opening. Yeah, I didn't finish my story early, but uh, I spent so much oh, yeah. money spending Toonies, getting this little, um, it's like a little egg, but has little costumes. So there's a little dragon costume, there's like a little like elastic-ish costume, rubber costume that goes around it. Is it like the Winnie the Pooh with the different costumes? Yes, you know very, very similar. Yeah, I, it's okay. like that's exactly it. The Winnie the Pooh ones, except these ones have uh, they're like egg themed. Oh, they're egg themed. Oh, I had okay. one dangling around my phone. I think I, I think it was really fortunate that I grew up in a very Asian high school because I feel like if honestly, no one bad an eye if you had SRCs on your phones, uh, because it's like oh yeah, that's not, that's normal. But I feel like if I was in a more you know non Asian kind of atmosphere, I feel like I would get teased and like bullied for it. Was it a Sony Ericsson phone? It was a Sony Ericsson phone. <laughs> <laughs> I, had the, I remember that. I had, the, I had, the, oh I had an orange God, one no. that, like, oh, the, the white and orange, right? Yeah, white and orange one. Yeah, there you go. See, I know that what goes you're like nine, It goes like from zero to 180. <laughs> okay, okay. So the variation that I was thinking was just like, it doesn't slide. It's just like, just a block, and that's it. Oh, no, mine was cool. Mine, mine does it 180. Yeah, I, I remember those two. And then there's the one that just slides up. Yeah, I actually yeah. had that one as well. Yeah, I had a Sony Ericsson that split up as well. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, during high school, that was like the phone. It's just yeah. everyone had a variation of Sony Ericsson. I'm, I'm very surprised that like they didn't continue with their line of phones because they were pretty successful at the time. 
Mm-hmm. Yes, Apple came on and kind of demolished their, their marketplace, but I feel yeah. like they could have kept up. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't know or didn't have the technology for smartphones. Or I don't know. Maybe the feeling was that t- like touchless, non-tactile buttons would never become a thing. Right. Oh well, they were well, sorely yeah. wrong. <laughs> right. I think that's why there's always that you know that BlackBerry supremacy going on. You know, what I mean, in high school. And then and then and then they died. <laughs> <laughs> you, but you you know like it's really yeah. weird because in high school you would think. Or it was like if you had a BlackBerry, you were the you were the upper echelon of like society, because it was yeah, for it, business oh, people only. BBM. <laughs> it was interesting because BBM was like part of the phone plans too. Yeah, like because that was the whole thing, right? You could BBM your friends, and you feel exclusive and like upper echelon, as you mentioned. Yeah, and then uh, like FaceTime and and yeah. iMessage came along. I feel like Apple. Okay, hold on. I, before we go further. Uh, <laughs> Because I don't, I don't exactly know Kevin's age, so we're like lower. We're one of the last few generations of the millennials. Um, I'm twenty nine. We're twenty nine. You don't <laughs> have to. You don't say. tell us your age, Kevin. But like, if you how, don't want to, how, yeah. which generation do you belong to? A couple of years younger than you guys. A couple of years. Okay. Is it enough for one generation of high school? I would have. If you guys were in high school, I would have been in the same high school as well. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. A couple, well, by definition, a couple is two. See, right. someone corrected me on that, but I always yeah. feel like when someone says a couple, it usually refers to them more as a few. You know, it usually never means just two. Okay, next person who tells you that, tell them that they're wrong. No, no, no but it's, not, it's not they told me. It's not like what they told me. It's just like what I've noticed. Like when someone says oh, a couple, okay. it usually means like more than two, but I do understand. Uh. By depth. Linguistically, yes. Yeah. yeah. You uh, should tell them that they're saying it wrong. Yeah. Or they're using it wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I guess our youngest experiences with Gotcha is, or are card games, right? Yeah, with Pokemon, Pokemon cards. Card yeah, Pokemon Play- cards. Yeah. Playgrounds, yeah. <laughs> early early, early oh. playground stuff. Sorry. I lied. Not even Pokemon cards. Do you guys remember Crazy Bones? Yes. Isn't Crazy that was Bones my like, first. isn't that older than, like, isn't that, like, above Who's us it? in terms of, like, age? I didn't play with Crazy Bones. I feel that's, like, yeah. Oh, I did. Mm, I guess it Those depends. Those were before Pokemon cards. For yeah, me. because I definitely had a couple Crazy Bones, but it was more so that it was my older cousins who were into the Crazy Bones and, like, the Pogs as well. Yes. So, I it got passed down from my older cousins, but I right. think for grade one and two, like, before Pokemon cards hit, we played Crazy Bones. And that was kind of my first gotcha-ish. And then uh, Pokemon cards were definitely a thing for a while. And then there were Digimon cards, Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. and Magic cards. So I was more into like the card game yeah. kind of thing. Good for uh, Magic Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, like staying relevant after all these years. And yeah. Pokemon cards. I have to hand it to Magic because they're, they're the OG card game. Are they all, under, are, they, are they all under like Wizards of the Coast? Wizards of the Coast, yes. So they're the all... Wizards- Whoever's running that company is like doing. Oh my god, they're like jobs, swimming in money. Like, (laughs) yeah, over how many decades? I don't even know when they started. Like, many, many, many decades. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's running the marketing for that like company is doing a fantastic job. Like, but the game practically sells itself. Yeah, just just as soon as they came up with this idea of booster packs, whoever came out with that idea, it was like holy smokes. I didn't uh, understand honestly, yeah. booster packs for the longest time. Like, I thought you could get any cards from a single booster pack. I didn't realize there was, like, a set list you can get. 
<laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like I just want like a hundred booster packs, but like realistically now, if you were to buy into it, you would kind of target certain cards in a collection. Yeah. You wouldn't just keep buying the same collection over and over again, hoping for something different. But I didn't understand that until like much later on. Yeah, but like back then when you're a kid and Google wasn't even a thing, like how would you know where to even find that kind of information? You know, like how I didn't know. I just knew that there was a list of random cards and there was a chance for a shiny one and yeah. everybody wants the shiny one. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd literally have to like trust like this, uh, I guess like the game shop or whatever seller you're yeah. getting stuff from. Like you'd have to trust them for information. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I think that's a huge difference between gamers of us being like millennials, I guess. I don't know if Ken's right. a millennial. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna include him in the millennial definition for now until I'm told otherwise. <laughs> but millennial age of like childhood in terms of gaming versus kids of today where pretty much the world is within like a, a tablet in their hands um, in terms of in, in terms of knowledge but you're right you got to trust the owners there's a lot of like paper reading like paper tracking have you guys encountered fake booster packs no oh, actually yes fake cards yes i have yo i've seen chinese ones so at um there was basically a chinese or bootleg chuck e cheese okay i don't even remember what it's called <laughs> and Essentially, what you do is you play those games and you get tickets and you trade in the tickets for price, right? Yeah. As, as with Chuck E. Cheese. Right. I remember I saw Pokemon cards cards there and I was super hyped for it. I'm like, oh shit, I can trade tickets for Pokemon cards? What's that? Like booster packs. Not, not just cards, sorry. Booster packs. Right. And so I trade for one pack. And then when I got the pack, I'm like, hold on, this looks off. And there was clear, it's like blatant. There was scotch tape on the edge of the pack. Ew. Like, oh, it's just right there. Oh, I'm no. like, wait, what the, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then when you open it, all you get is like, like half of them were en- energies. Oh, and then there no. was like a couple, I'm like, what, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> and I'm like, what is their tape? I'm like, and then I just, I look, I like, I peer over the counter. I mean, I was kind of small back then. I was sure. I, but I, I did my best to peer over the counter and I saw a bunch of them had the tape on it. I'm like, this is bullshit. Yeah, it's so, the biggest scam I've ever seen. Oh my god! Do you just do you just so take mad. it as is though, or did you complain? I complained to my dad, but like he didn't do anything because <laughs> like he, he didn't understand what the hell like it was. About. It's like, oh, you yeah. got some. What do you mean? What's the difference? And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but but the regular booster packs have a chance for a rare, and it's supposed to have this and this. And he's like, well, I don't get it. Like you got some cards out of it. That's it, right? I think that's one like defining cornerstone of us in terms of us growing up. It's like you take everything at face value and it is what it is. There is no like, there is no confrontation. There is no advocating for yourself. It's just like whatever you get, that's it. I think that is like one of our corners. So just like, I think we're suckers. Realistically speaking, we're suckers. But at the same time, we're kind of a little bit more resilient, I think, as a result as well. Talking about those like little mini amusement parks for kids. I think that is the true OG like gacha experience. (laughs) I'm just but, thinking about it now because then you can like you know how you, there's like little shooters you put coins in there and you just shoot into a dragon's mouth or something you wind it up oh yeah yeah the coin rolls down you have to align the yeah there's some types right there's yeah. like a coin pusher there's one where you shoot the coin from a little like gun launcher yeah there's one where you drop a, like, an object from a ceiling like nowadays anyways I think that's pretty oh. I think that would be true a lot of it is just very random randomized but uh, it's, it's under the guise of skill, right? Like if you can aim the thing properly, then you know. Yeah, yeah. 
you have a higher chance of getting like the I don't know, the high score target or whatever. Isn't it kind of interesting that, you know, these kind of amusement parks for younger kids geared towards like like infants, essentially, and ki- young kids. The places just lit up like a rainbow, neon lights everywhere. But it's not that like, it's not a huge departure from like adult casinos. They really, oh, look very similar. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 exactly. No, I think that they rely on the same kind of things that draw people in, which is like lights flashing sounds, a lot of immediate stimuli to your senses. So as to kind of, it's almost as to overwhelm you and make you not think about things logically, right? Because if you think about things too logically, you'll see all these holes in like the casino or like these games, and then people won't play them anymore, right? Yeah, 100%. Why don't we jump into the games we actually play? One of the ones that Kevin and I first kind of connected on was uh, Fate's Grand Order. And I'm looking at the notes right now. Martin, do you want to take it away? Okay, so first of all, this isn't necessarily my opinion. Okay, but for background context for the audience and for you, Kevin, I had no idea what Fate Grand Order was. I just know it was a mobile game that Dan played. Yeah. And as I talked about with Dan, he would show me a very specific aspect of the game. And mainly, it's a certain set of characters that are typically modeled after or supposed to be a god or goddess from some culture. And all of them, 99% of them, are, are fairly like scantily clad. And as they, my understanding as they level up to different forms, they get increasingly scandalous to the point of like near nudity. And so in the notes, there's a term that, Again, I'm not necessarily religious and I don't follow all these different cultures and ethnic backgrounds, but I could see some individual out there who is, might use the word sacrilegious as to describe how their God is depicted. Mm-hmm. But again, not my background, so I can't, I can't say for certain, but yeah. it's, uh, it gets pretty outrageous. Some of them are pretty, uh, pretty crazy. What do you think, Kevin? What's your, what's your impression of fate? I can definitely see where Martin's coming from here. Um, (laughs) I can agree with that, especially some of them. They take artistic liberties in uh, how they design the characters, uh, especially if they know that the character is going to be well received or... (laughs) I guess that's one way to put it, yeah. yeah. So so they know that they can get away with it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I would suppose so. So I showed them some characters, like... I think the most notorious one's probably Raiko. It's probably oh, the most. Yeah. I mean, is <laughs> yeah. that one again? It's like I'll, I'll send it to you in a second. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not for this. Yeah. <laughs> um, you sent me a lot over over the years, and you're like, "Hey, Martin, guess what? I have another character to show you." And she, I'm like, "Okay, oh, just to just point out, she's I know like, she's, she's fully clothed, so." Uh, define fully. <laughs> I I think she's fully clothed. But her curves are there. I, I, I sent it to you on uh, Messenger. So Fate Grand Order was a... It's kind of oh. a spin-off, I suppose, of uh, the original Fate series, which was a, a visual novel. <clears throat> and has since exploded in terms of popularity, notoriously in Japan, and worldwide, I suppose. It's based on like heroic spirits, pretty much based on people of the past, and to correct Martin, they actually can't have gods in the game because they're 
lore-wise, they're too powerful, so they can only depict okay. people of the past and not the actual gods themselves, unless they're fused with some person making a okay. pseudo-servant. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But anyways, the game is really popular despite of its very un... <laughs> which unforgiving gacha system. Was rate was like what one percent? One percent SSR or five <laughs> for the uh, five star SSR. Yeah, five star being or... the highest, and then three star being the lowest, and then uh, that you can get from the regular gacha, mm-hmm. and then four star second tier. So as as someone who doesn't understand the full mechanics or the gacha mechanics of this game, could you explain sure. to me? Sure. Uh, it's a turn-based game. It's very lore-driven. So it's essentially a visual novel with a side of turn-based games. Oh, sorry, a turn-based fighting game where you... T- it's very Final Fantasy-esque if you kind of want to take that as a mm. benchmark. Okay. And the game provides you with free heroes that you can use to beat the game. It's very beatable with the free-to-play heroes, but certainly your life will be significantly... Your life will be significantly easier when you, if you roll for higher tier characters. What does that mean when you roll for these characters? Their abilities are just much better than that of uh, the free-to-play characters, which makes them so much more lucrative. And certainly the aesthetics help with that as well, but gameplay first, <laughs> above all else. So I guess what I meant was, how do you roll for them? What is the, the mechanic here? Uh, okay, so you have to purchase uh, sync quartz, which can be earned through a story, but you get a very minimal amount, so you have to purchase it with real okay. money. I believe okay. a maximum pack of like 180 sync quartz ballpark will get you six full rolls. So six, right? Sixty. So it gets you 60 rolls ballpark, okay. right? Uh, a little bit more now with the recent changes, but that will cost you $110 for about 60 okay. rolls. So $110 for 60 rolls. And, and what did you say the, the percent chance was? To 1%. Get, to get the five star, which is the yes. best. Uh, so yeah, 1% chance to get a five star, not necessarily the one that's featured on the specific banner oh, that you're okay. rolling in. For Fate Grand Order itself, uh, the actual rate of rolling the one that's featured that you can see on the, like, the banner you're rolling is actually 0.7%. 0. 0.7, okay. So and then the rest, yeah, the rest of the 0. 0.3 is split up between every other five star that you're able to roll yeah okay yeah so that's one percent and then divided amongst all the possible five star characters yeah. right and and how many five star characters are we looking at typically um Ooh, yeah, per banner question. it's one right i think that's how they like, how gotcha games get you anyways right they put limited characters on banner yes typically it's one limited character five star maybe one or two four stars Okay. To entice you, and then they rotate the banners, but the banners come they rotate relatively quickly. And that's how the, that's how they're really um, that's how they're hyper successful. Right, just that idea of just everything is exclusive, everything is so limited. I think what Fate does really well is that their storytelling that really sells the characters. Right, you might not necessarily be interested in the aesthetics of a character at base value, but as you play the game and read the story and you read the lore, you get become more and more enamored and you begin to love the characters even more to the point where, yes, I need a role for that character. Not because of the looks. Not necessarily. It looks helpful too, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Kevin has like certain targets for the game, right? For Fates. Yes. So, yeah. So for a great Fate Grand Order. So because I play on like the global version of the game, because it, as uh, Dan mentioned earlier, like it first came out in Japan back in, I want to say 2015. Uh, it came out in, well, they, they call it the US server. 
the US version of the app, but that's like more though, more so like the global in general. It came out two years after, so we have basically like a two-year roadmap at all times that we can see basically into the future. So we can plan accordingly a little bit better as like a global player versus someone who plays on the JP version of the game, where it's like, oh, each new month is something new. They have no idea what's going coming. But for us, we have that two-year foresight essentially. So we're able to better plan our resources and like, oh, I need to save for the, uh, this amount for this when this uh, servant comes out, and hopefully I can get them. In terms of that, my next target is actually coming out, I think, next month with the next uh, new summer event in F and in Fate Grand Order. Nice. <clears throat> which which one's that? And that is Summer Okita, which thankfully is a four star. So it should be theoretically easier to roll for than a five star. Yeah. And, and what are the chances looking like for a four star? I believe it's a 3% chance. Three or 4%. I think, for a four, yeah, for three a four star. I think it's a 3% chance for the four star servant. Yeah. Mm. I think fate, that's yeah. What? But that's again divided amongst the all, yes. all the possible four star characters. Correct. Okay. And Besides in the them. yeah, and in the summer, I believe this is the pattern they do. They do one five star servant and two four star servants. So even within that four percent or whatever, the two three four percent, it's split between the two featured ones, and then the rest of it's split very small between literally every other four star in the game. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And then. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of these games, and I don't know if Fate is one of them, they have like like a safety net kind of thing where okay. every 10 packs or whatever you roll, you are guaranteed at least one five star or yeah. something like that. So if if you have shit luck, which, and the reason why I'm asking is because I hate gotcha games and very specifically because my luck is notoriously bad in all video games. Any video game that I've played with with Dan, and some of our mutual friends, like you guys can all attest to this, I have amongst the shittiest luck ever that I've come across, at least. I don't um, know about that, but... Yo, know, my, my luck is terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, oh, like, screw these games. I never, I'm never going to get it. So so the safety net thing, so then, so how does it work? Do, do they have one here too? Yeah, so every 10 rolls, like if you do a 10 roll, you're guaranteed at least a four-star craft essence, which is essentially equipment or above but most of the time you're just gonna get something that's undesirable or not wanted <laughs> okay so it's not, not even that that's safe <laughs> yeah and uh i think what you i think what you're alluding to is a pity system right so if you roll or something yeah yeah so a pity system is typically when you roll you know say like six amount x amounts you are guaranteed oh. a five-star character Fate's really oh, okay. interesting is that it's lasted this long. It's really a dinosaur at this point. You know, we just celebrated our fourth year anniversary. JP just celebrated our sixth year anniversary. And I think one of the biggest wish list items for players is a pity system. Fate oh, does not have... have a pity system, which oh, is <laughs> really, which is really surprising because in this day and age, almost all of the new and upcoming gacha games have some form of pity to like, help people out in terms of getting the characters they, that they want. Right. But, yeah, I mean, gacha games typically don't last very long uh, in terms of longevity, just because of the sheer number, and uh, and there's a sheer number of them because of how lucrative it is. Uh, we talked about earlier on how much, you know, a poll would cost, so, like, one poll, for example, would be probably $1.39, which is, you know, think about it, you know, it's, it's pretty expensive for a large pack in Fates. You're not even guaranteed anything. Right, you can buy oh. a triple A game from like from like EB Games. 
not even a discount retailer. EB Games. Sorry. GameStop for Americans. <laughs> wherever you buy your games, folks. Wherever you buy your games. Well, I'm, I'm laughing more like I haven't been to a physical store in like how yeah. long? Like yeah. Everything went. But yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So anyways, a triple A Switch game, brand new straight release nowadays is $79.99. I think. Yeah, 80 bucks. Yes. 80 bucks. Yeah. Right. You get a full game most of the time. Uh, you get a full game. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Honestly, but DLC. But anyways, that that's a whole DLC. I mean, go thing. off, go off. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just I'm just really disappointed at the I guess the DLC culture nowadays. The microtransactions, uh, and the, which has eventually evolved into the microtransactions, right? And I think in the beginning, the idea of an expansion pack was something that's exciting because yeah. you get more of a game that you love, yes. right? But then I guess people eventually caught on these producers and companies. Uh, and especially the publishers caught on that, hey, if we release these little bits of content and charge them a regular fee for it and just keep re- releasing them, then we can make tons and tons of money off this. Yeah. And so it eventually evolved into what we have today with loot boxes, which I guess we'll get into more a little bit later, but yeah. uh, microtransactions and that sort of thing. And it, I think, honestly, I feel like it led to games being intentionally released half finished so that they can save that content and release it as dlc or microtransaction based content which is just so so disappointing because and i might sound like an an old man and dinosaur and dan and some other friends already make fun of me for being old but like i would say the golden golden age of gaming was before all of that when internet or updates patches to games were more limited like it wasn't as big yeah and so they couldn't actually release this content because the technology wasn't there for them to update the game after release yeah unless it's a huge expansion in which you usually have to buy another physical cd and pop it in your computer like starcraft or whatever right Mm -hmm. and so games i think and i'm talking about like gamecube slash ps2 era of games this was before the microtransaction and maybe early like ps3 wii xbox uh, 360 there was that wasn't that big like, that was when I remember games actually being released that were finished. I mean, sure, they had their bugs and, and whatnot, but you could tell that the producers and developers spent their time and effort to make it as as close to perfection as possible, right? And those yeah. are the games that at least stick out in my own memory mm-hmm. because they were a complete experience. Whereas I feel like nowadays it's just like, oh, well, I know this isn't here yet because there's going to be a DLC, you know, in however many months, and then they're going to release like, oh, a new character or whatever, which... Mm-hmm. I think back in the day would have been released with with the game. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I would actually agree with that. I was gonna say even like a decade ago was probably when it was probably the wor- at like the worst point for video games, just because of like, uh, as you mentioned, Martin, that uh, like publishers caught wind that like oh they can pop half-assed games and then give more stuff later on, but as DLC, like actually paid content. So it's like, I remember especially like way, like probably around high school. Yeah. So maybe around a decade ago, uh, that was when it's probably at its most, like, I guess, I I don't want to say predatory, but it's like the most prevalent. Mm. Yeah. No, I like the word predatory because that's essentially what it is to me. Yeah. (laughs) I think think it's true though, in terms of like, especially when you're going back to gacha games, it's all very predatory. Right. Oh yeah. You know, it's like. If you don't have this character, your life's gonna be a living hell. You can still beat it, but it's gonna be significantly harder for you. What is the 
from yeah. your memory and your own experiences, what is the most heinous offender of this for you? In terms of gotcha? Gotcha or microtransaction basically. One thing that comes to mind. just like, <clears throat> like makes you want to throw up. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things that comes to mind is like OG Maple Story days. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that next on cash. <laughs> it, it's funny. It's funny because I mean, I spent a good chunk of time on, on Maple Story. Right. I'm sure you guys have yeah. as well. It was the one of the biggest games during uh, during that time. It's still yeah. thriving, surprisingly. Like, oh yeah, yeah, they got Maple Story two now. No, it, it crashed and burned. It shut down. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh well, whoops. Well, man. <laughs> well, yeah, I know a lot of people who played this uh, still play like the original Maple Story though. So that's uh, yeah, yeah. That's surprising that it's still. Um, on its legs, I guess. Yeah, Maple Story 2 had a lot of potential. I actually really enjoyed the housing system. There was a lot of customization, and there was a lot of fun <laughs> things you can do with it. But anyways, I digress. That's a whole different topic. But Maple Story 1, their OG, the most... Like, I did spend a bit of cash. I would, I am a guy that does spend money on these games, and we'll talk about the, the scaling of how much constitutes is what a bit. But one memory that stands out was trying to get a certain hairstyle in Maple Story. Right, there's got there, there's got there's gotcha pawn coupons as well, but like trying to get a certain hairstyle, some of them were limited and locked behind a chance. So you had to spend these hair coupons gambling for a hairstyle until you got the right one. Oh damn! I, I know See, most people went with the disheveled look, the the basic. Yeah, just the yeah, because like back then, um, yeah, no, I, I had to sneak Maple Story because my parents wouldn't allow me to play it. So I had to sneak it on my own computer and play it in my in my own time, and so yeah, I, I couldn't get away with spending money on it. So like all that stuff, I'm just like I I, I completely missed all that. Yeah, I I have an addictive personality. I would spend like I would just take lunch money and save it up, and uh, <laughs> I would buy For like the hair coupons. <laughs> I would buy the prepaid cards. But what I would do during the week is that uh, I would go. There, we have a Chinese bakery um, in the plaza that next to our school. And Chinese bakers are notorious for like cheap buns, you know, like sixty yeah. cents buns. You buy a few, and it's like tax free, so it's great. So I would just eat, <laughs> just eat buns. <laughs> you starve yourself on buns for the, for the hair cards. Yeah, yeah. So y'all would eat buns, save up the lunch money, buy the prepaid cards, and just and then just and just and just uh, spend it on. You know, Maple Story and Gachapon. It's just really funny you, I mentioned this because I know I have a box somewhere of like <laughs> these cards. But I don't know where they are right now. I'm sure, it's somewhere. Wait. That's awesome. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just, uh, I can't find it right now, but next time. But yeah, that's just kind of one of the things that I did. That's one thing that stood out to me when, when I'm thinking about Gacha. Um, at, least for, at least from my childhood. And then there's always then then after Maple Story the next biggest one is probably League of Legends but that's not really gacha considering it's like just straight up buying cosmetics. Let's go into that afterwards. Well, how about you, Kevin? What, what's what, what's one of your more notorious or most memorable gacha experiences? Honestly, it would probably be Fate Grand Order. Yeah, is that Definitely. the most? Yeah, it would be the most notorious just because of the lack of the pity system. So you can literally spend. Hundreds. Uh, hundreds. Some people have spent thousands and they don't even get the banner character. Oh, that's so painful. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's heavy salt. And like, it's, it's one of those, it still remains one of the top grossing games today 
despite being such a dinosaur, not maybe yeah. not top ten. I think it's dropped off the scale. Yeah. Like I think it's lo- it's lost to this horse girl running game. Oh, uh, Umumusume. <laughs> Do you want to tell Martin horse. about it? He's, he looks a little bit perplexed. Horse. Yeah. Horse girls. So, basically, Japan has this habit of, oh, geez, uh, making things human that shouldn't be humans. Like, for example, Girls Frontline, they take guns, make them human looking. Contact Collection in Azure Lane, they take boats. Like warship, <laughs> like war- battleships, and war, and all these ships, turn them into girls. So now it's hor- it's the horse's turn now to turn into girls. And historically, some of these horses, I'm pretty sure they they're male anyway. But ev- everyone everyone is a horse girl in this game. And the purpose of the game is literally you roll gacha, you get you get these uh, horse girls that you train up. It's kind of like a roguelike kind of game. So where you just keep doing the same cycle over and over again and uh you just keep amassing like a collection of the finished ones that you have but for the most part you're basically just training them up in like these different stats so you're training their like their stamina their speed their power their intelligence their guts those five stats you're training them up then you run these like mandatory races uh each one has their own kind of like checklist of their achievements that they have to accomplish once you finish that, then you go into like a final, like three races, just kind of like a finals kind of thing. And then you try to win. And then there's like intricate, like little details for min-maxing and stuff. But mm. for the most part, that's the basic gameplay for that. You're literally just raising horse girls. <laughs> and you can roll for these horse girls, right? Yeah. Do you, okay. have, do you have experience playing it? I do, yes. Yeah, so in a lot of different games, like there's... Like when we were talking about FGO, actually, we we talk about craft essences, sorry, craft essences and servants, right? And those are the two different kind of things we can have in the game. Uh, the servants being the actual playable characters, then the craft essences basically being like equipment for them. Okay. In the uh, horse girl game, Uma Musume, you have race, we have race horses, and then you have like the support horses. So the support horses, you choose like five of your own support horses, and they will depending on like they all excel in like one stat or whatever, then they help you raise that stat a little bit better. So you can kind of fine tune the one uh, racing course that you choose. So it's like there's separate gotchas for both. There's a gotcha for uh, racing horses and a separate gotcha for the support horses. And each time they come out with a new gotcha, they come out with uh, like a set of them. So you have one for the horse, uh, one for the racing, one for the support. Hmm. But all of them are horse girls. But they are all horse girls, okay. except for the two characters in the game that aren't horse girls. They're kind of like uh, they're kind of like managers in a way. Yeah, they're kind of like are, managers. Are, yeah. are they are they the least popular characters? Uh, no, actually, uh, the one is very is a uh, meta. Oh. Yeah, the one the one of them is meta. It's just a normal human. Yeah, it's just a normal human. Not not feeling really any horses. Is it uh. even a girl? It is a girl, yeah. Oh, okay. You, you, you well, can, we'll uh, you, yeah, you, you can technically like date them in the app, or sorry, in the game. Like throughout the, the run that you do, you can yeah. date them, and you can go on like these dates, and like each one is gives uh, specific benefits, and it's all mapped. Like the all the information is available online. Interesting. Yeah. Horse racing dating sim is what you're telling me. 
Pretty much, yeah. Think... So it's, it's all in Japanese. So it's like there's actually interactions between all the horses, right? There's like actually stories going on. Like you go through like a year or two, like actual mm. of uh, of like uh, you play one month at a time, and after each session you choose, it goes into like a short story kind of thing where the stuff can happen, and then you do your next action, then a short story, next action, short story, mm. in that continuous loop. So yeah. now I'm seeing like horse girl harvest moon dating sim. <laughs> That's really... That is good. Interesting. <laughs> I think a lot of these gadget games they cater to I want to say men for the most part, uh who are looking for uh looking, waifus. Waifus, I think is is why we're putting it. Just kind of emulating the whole girlfriend experience and make them spend money. And it's working. <laughs> oh oh yeah, absolutely, right? Like it as you mentioned. Works. Yeah, you, you as you, yeah, as you mentioned, like what thousands of dollars yeah on these games so i'm gonna i'm gonna so there's a chart here i'm looking at so there's like different marine animals that people refer to depending on how much you spend right so (laughs) yes so i I thought you're talking about another game here for a second so now we're at move from horse girls to marine animals yeah so you know a minnow is someone who spends like the bare minimum (laughs) like a few dollars and it scales all the way up to a blue whale who spends like (laughs) about like $200 per like rate up banner or $500 a month or a Leviathan which is like the top tier echelon who has un- who spends an unlimited amount for a character. unlimited <laughs> do, do we have is there like a real life example of one of these Le- Leviathans plenty you just, you just gotta look for streamers but uh there's plenty I think Toho okay. is probably one of the more notorious ones in my in like my realm of vision so Toho Sniper is a guy who streams mainly Arknights and FGO, and he pretty much maxes out every character. And so we, you know how we talked about how we spend like, you know, maybe $1,000 get one copy of a character, Ballpark? So in Fates, you need five characters, so, so five copies of a character to complete it. So this guy would spend, you know, he would keep, oh swi- would keep swiping until he gets the max like max like limit of the character so does he, he do yeah sorry go ahead and then he would be considered a leviathan does he do like a is there like a counter for like how many packs he had to open to get in oh i, I think he, i he think he, i think he has a moderator's check but some people do have like the amount spent on stream holy yeah. smokes yeah so so here's the thing like let's say like let's say i've i've been blue whale sometimes spending about $200 a banner or $500 a month Right, I've I've been there, been there, done that. I'll I'll, I'll first admit it. Right, I guess like you know, I think that's like definitely looked down upon in society. Definitely spending money on games, and for sure, like you're spending a lot of money on a on a gacha game above everything else, where you can buy like a full game uh, for significantly less. So you know, but and uh, not saying that I'm making the I make I make the best choices. I don't, you know, I'll be first to admit it, but. I feel like there's less shame put towards those who spend money on other hobbies or other activities, right? Such as, for example, like buying lots of alcohol or going out to eat frequently, things like that, right? What are your thoughts on that, Martin? As a person who's like kind of an outsider in all this, well, I th- I would agree with you that people have this. I don't know if prejudice would be the right word, but there's a there's a negative perspective on uh, I guess stigma people who, sorts a stigma yeah. sure I think that's a better word like a negative stigma towards like I guess people who spend tons and tons of money not even on games itself but like 
on hobbies. microtransactions with yeah right. within games, right? Right. And I think uh, I think the idea the difference is that food is something that's more easily recognizable for a general population on yeah. something that's enjoyable. Like everyone can relate to be like, man, that was a really nice restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's good food, right? But I guess because these these type of entertainment is more niche mm-hmm. to like a specific audience, as we talked about earlier, it's harder for people to relate. Yeah. And so when people can't relate, then they, mm-hmm. as with all things that are different from you, you begin to shun it or shame it or, yeah. or call it out. People don't accept things that are different from them. Yeah. Or at least it's harder for people to accept. I think one argument is that you probably like, some, some would say you don't get anything out of, you know, these games where you purchase cosmetics yeah. or gotcha, et cetera. Uh, for gotcha, that, that might be true. You know, a lot of times depending on the rates, it could be true. And But, you know, you spend a lot of time on these games, you know, whatnot. It gives you a lot of entertainment value, hours and hours of like, you know, entertainments over the years. Uh, whereas food, you know, what, you know, it goes down your throat and out your butt in like, you know, less than a day. So but could you could you make an argument, though, if you compare like a meal per, I don't know, 10 rolls, say, of a, sure. of X game. If in those 10 rolls you don't get Jack, then at least I got good food out of it. Fair. If you compare it to a dish. No, for sure. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I would say so. But depends on your luck, right? You know, depends on what your hobby is. I think, yeah, like, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't care what you spend your money on, right? It, whether it's your hobby, food, whatnot, just live within your means. And that, I think that's the most important part. Yeah, I think I think everyone has their own vices. Everyone has their own uh, interests as well. So, like, if you like spending money on your own interests, like, uh, I might not get it, but you do you. I think it just becomes an issue, as with, well, it's personally, in my opinion, as with all interests, if you spend too much money on one thing to the point where it's maybe going a little bit excessive, then yeah. that's when problems come, right? Oh, yeah. Everything in moderation. I think yes. Gotcha is notorious for being you know, highly addictive. And um, and that's the scary part, right? Yeah. Just like gambling, it, it plays that part of your brain. Yeah. Like gives you that, that rush when dopamine. you get something that you like. Exactly, the dopamine. When you get something that you like. And so you're just always pining for that, that rush. Yeah. Right. When you finally open that one thing, you get your character or whatever. Versus like people who are really into shoes and they spend maybe hundreds of dollars on shoes. Realistically, do they wear all these shoes? Like I know people with over forty pairs of shoes, sixty pairs of shoes. Yeah. In my opinion, I'm like, what are you doing with your money? You're not wearing sixty pairs of shoes in your in, in the year. They call it an investment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and they're yeah. like they're like, no, but I can match, you know, this pair of shoes with this yeah. outfit and so on. But like, so I, I don't get it. Like, I'm not going to lie. I don't get it. For I sure. think it's excessive, but like, to, it's to their own, money. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's their money. So like, who am I to tell them how they, how to spend their money? Right. If, if they're going to debt because of it, then maybe I'll say, Hey, you should probably tone it down. Yeah, for sure. But if, if they're okay, like financially speaking, then I'm like, you do you, I ain't your mama. Right. For you sure. So Kevin, what's your thoughts on? So I'm gonna use the term whaling, and whaling is someone who would spend an excessive amount of money to get a character. So Kevin, what do you? What's your thoughts on uh, whaling in general? Whaling, something I I will admit I have done before, on multiple occasions, for various reasons. For various reasons, but it's definitely something that you have to be careful of, just because it's really easy to like go down that. It's a very slippery slope. Yeah, I think is a good. Uh, 
way to describe it. It's very easy to do, especially like just like just putting credit card purchases. Like it just literally one or two taps away. Yeah. And then oh suddenly you you refilled your resources and then you just keep going for that for that rush essentially trying to get yeah. that uh what you're aiming for. It's like a drug, but it doesn't physically Oh yeah. Like I think it does physically like like in terms of your brain, it does affect it, but yeah. It's just, it's just like I need my next injection. <laughs> right. Yeah, no no honestly, like there's like in terms of mental health research, right? Gambling addiction is a real thing, just like yes. it, it is with addiction to any any kind of drug. Yeah. Uh, it might not have that physical effect of what like crack or whatever, yeah. But it's still an addiction, and it plays the same part of your brain. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's, it's a very real thing. Yeah, it's honestly like I I laugh, but it's it's not. It, not it's not like a laughing like, matter. It's I, not I've funny. I've yeah. been down the rabbit hole in terms of like, ga- like when I say at a gamble, I don't really gamble at a casino, but in terms of games, I have like dabbled in it. So like, you know, I know how hard it is to get out of it sometimes because you know it's like oh I finally got my rare character rush of happiness and like yeah. it's huge and like somehow that rush kind of makes like spending five hundred dollars worth it but you know mm-hmm. and objectively speaking obviously not but the, the rush is there and uh right let's jump on to loot boxes that has been a co- the topic of controversy in recent years notably in european countries where they have now pretty much oh. outlawed loot boxes in certain games yeah for children for under uh under the age of 18 right? yeah like there's sorry go ahead you go no you first finish up yeah, yeah so my understanding is and with the specific games overwatch being one of them but they implement some kind of check on the age of the person buying it uh or playing it uh, obviously you can lie but that's a whole other matter right um but essentially if you're under the age of 18 which is the legal gambling age then they block out this feature. Like they demand the game developer yeah. to pa- add a patch where it, it just removes that feature so that miners basically can't get hooked on gambling, which is essentially what these loot boxes are doing, mm-hmm. right? Gambling for that one super rare item by spending real money. Yeah. So loot boxes, for those who don't know, are essentially like, is exactly what it sounds like. You're pretty much spending money to get a chance of obtaining something. Obtaining something, just like in Gacha. So in the case of Hearthstone, you have cards that you might get. Magic like Gathering, Pokemon, Pokemon very yeah. same thing. Yeah. In Overwatch, you get cosmetics. You know. Yeah, I think loot boxes are... You know, it's a great way to fund the game. Especially if just cosmetics doesn't affect gameplay. I think mm-hmm. those ones are probably the least problematic. But still, it does fuel, again, uh, addiction and all, all those issues. But I think in terms of the most problematic ones is the ones that do affect gameplay and then cosmetics being on the lower tier. So like league has been around for over 10 years now, I think I want to say over 10 years. So league of legends has been like, I think they were playing at like started university. So like a lot, a while ago, but a game has like their cosmetics provide no gameplay bonuses whatsoever. It's simply just cosmetics and special effects, but a game has thrived uh, from just selling skins alone. So, you know, Good for them for surviving this long on just selling that. And mind you, they've expanded their collection of cosmetics and other uh, things like that. But very interesting how they've thrived. Anyways, Kevin, uh, what's your thoughts on the loot boxes in general and the recent controversies? Well, the thing with loot boxes, I don't have very much experience actually with just like loot boxes in general. Uh, I don't really play those types of games where they do have the loot box implementation. 
for example, a lot of like, for example, like the Overwatch and would you count some um, Fortnite? They don't have loot boxes, no, right? Do they? I don't. I, I, have no I idea. don't think I've ever played Fortnite. I always count maybe Diablo. Uh, wait, with the, yes, yeah, but, yeah, but wouldn't yeah. be a, you can't buy things in so, Diablo. So with Fortnite, you can spend spend money to buy cosmetics, okay. and they have like a battle pass type thing. Yeah, I. Not aware if they have any loot boxes where Probably you not. buy yeah. chest and there's a chance for X cosmetic. Yeah, I think they're all just like you spend three dollars and you just straight up buy that cosmetic. Yeah. Oh, you know, uh, that's my what, understanding. You know what comes to mind right now? What? I'm thinking Candy Crush, buying cards. <laughs> 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 I think we talked about it last week with uh, with 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 flow. but it's not exactly a loot box, but just like buying lives. It's also a microtransaction in itself. Yeah, so I I would consider that more microtransaction because it's not chance based as yeah. what like a loot box is. Yeah, but that's definitely another big way to get money. Yeah. Or do you think spend money? Do you think game like as a player? Do you think a game would you would do you think that loot boxes add to a game or is that is that detriment? Kevin, I'll let you take it first. Hmm. Because this question was brought up on a better post I was reading the other day, and they're like. No, I kind of like having loot boxes because a I guess feels a superiority of having this character or this cosmetic or whatever item over right. somebody else. But it's also fun to watch someone else assault. Yeah, <laughs> it's like watching other people suffer. It's a little bit sadistic, but yeah, I yeah I guess with loot boxes, I guess it like it kind of forces or incentivizes the the, the replay value, especially like, there are some games that aren't even like for example I think. One really bad one I want to say is like the Marvel Avengers game. Never, I think that that that, that one. That a, game got some shit. <laughs> yeah, that one has a loot box system for sure, and it's not even the stuff that you get out of it. I don't know if they patched it or anything since then, but uh, you know how we talked about how the cosmetics is one of the reasons, or well, is like something that League of Legends does successfully, right? Yes. So. And like when you do, usually with these loot box system games, like people do want to show off like stuff that they've gotten and like make like these unique characters and stuff, and show off what they what they've made or with what they have. In that game, you, there's no cosmetic system. Like you, it's literally just for stats. Oh. If you pull, if you pull like this item, it doesn't even it's not even like shown on the character that you have. You're just deezed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, but there's like a visual element to it. Like yeah. maybe it's a piece of armor, but I think only you can see it when you equip it on your own character. Gotcha, yeah. I don't, I don't know if other people can see it. But yeah, and people are pretty pissed at the at that game for its, its system. I guess my view. So I'll talk about Overwatch a little bit because that was probably the game that I spent the most time with yeah. in terms of the loot box mechanic. I didn't mind it for one specific reason, which is I can use in-game currency to open these loot boxes. And I think to this date, I haven't spent a penny on Overwatch loot boxes. Yeah. But the idea of seeing these cool costumes or outfits or whatever on these characters, like I got excited. I got, I got invested into it. Uh, there were many, many times I was super tempted to, to just drop however many dollars to get X yeah. number of loot boxes in hopes to get that, that one thing. I ended up not, but yeah, but it was all done through in-game currency. So I was never, although I was incentivized to use real money to buy them, yeah. I didn't have to, right? I, I was given a choice. Yeah. 
And so I'm okay with that personally. And if it's only for cosmetics, then it it doesn't hurt the the gameplay of the game, right? Mm-hmm. But once you start adding stats or things to it, then a lot of people argue with a term called pay to win. Yeah, definitely. You spend a ton of money for a chance to get that super powerful item that will make your character super strong. Then, yeah. then you're disrupting the balance of the game, right? Then that's when I think that's that's a no no. Like it's a any great... any game that does it, I don't yeah. like. It's a great point that you brought up pay to win. I think that's what kills games. When you yes. have when you evolve an element of pay to win, that you're pretty much shutting out any player that's like a low spender or free to play. Yeah. It's like right. there's no point yeah. playing. I think that's probably why Fate Grand Order does well. Is it's the single player. There's no yeah. Yeah. it's very minimal co op in it. Um, so there there's no like you, you can spend as much money as you want, but it doesn't affect anybody, which I think is yeah. the beauty of it. Going back to Overwatch when you're talking about it, it's interesting you brought that up. The original director or the lead of the game, Jeff Kaplan, we love you, oh, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just want to put it out there. Uh, we yeah. Martin and I spent some good times on that game, you know. Oh yeah, many many hours. I don't even know if I can go back and check. Probably somewhere. But anyways, Overwatch is great in the sense that you can keep playing. You'll get the you know that gold legendary fly up in the air. It's like oh yeah. man, I got something nice. You know, if you have the same repeat skin, then they'll just give you currency to for you to just sure, purchase a skin mm-hmm. if you don't have it. Yeah. So I think it was really paid, free-to-play friendly. Mind you, Overwatch itself is not free. You had to buy the buy the game initially. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But I think Blizzard did a really good job of, you know, making sure the pay model is not in your face. That even if you paid for it, it's purely cosmetic and everyone has access to the same skins if you worked hard enough for it. And yes. grind. With the departure of Jeff Kaplan in recent news... We're gonna, yeah. we're definitely gonna see. I'm not. I'm kind of worried about Overwatch Two. I have great hopes for it. Honestly, Blizzard as a company, or or what I remember of Blizzard in its glory days, is dead. Like that version of Blizzard is dead. Ever since they yeah. integrated with Activision yeah. and they started mm-hmm. pressuring the Blizzard developers to add these mechanics yeah. or implement these features in the game, I I don't see Blizzard as the same thing anymore. Yeah. Like and when I say glory day of Blizzard, um, like StarCraft any, one, yeah, StarCraft one, uh, Diablo. Warcraft, Diablo like two, yeah, right, like those were its prime days when everyone was like a fan. Like even if you don't play those games, you heard of them or you yeah. know someone who played them, I, right? And it's it's just positive, yeah, right. I mean, I mean they weren't, they weren't perfect games, but the lore the community period. was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the community was all involved. Everyone was happy. Like there was these crazy tournaments. Everybody had a good time. Yeah, there's very little that you can hate about those games. Right? Yeah, uh, is generally well received, and and that was a fond memory. Like I didn't even so I I didn't play Warcraft. I played a little bit of Starcraft, but just being part of that community and just talking about Starcraft and, and strategies and looking up Starcraft videos and whatever. Like it was fun. I had a good time. I enjoyed Definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I- no go ahead i was gonna say like I, I was definitely one of those kids i never had a like traditional starcraft experience of playing the actual game i had way more fun playing the uh, user map settings or also known as the custom games yeah um, yeah those were great too. those are great i read all the starcraft books those were also really good as well like they were it's so like the story writing was so like well done even with overwatch like you would never have thought oh so it was so good. So good. The, it's a Pixar movie. It's essentially 
Yeah. Pixar, if you're listening, you get your ass over to Blizzard right now and make an Overwatch movie with them because yeah. it's uh um it's it, it's made for you already. It's actually yeah. been made for you. You just need to string together some animations yeah. and it's done. Yeah. So the the an- animations are beautiful. Story writing is great. You would never think so. Like it wasn't like it wasn't kind of made obvious till Overwatch Two was released that Overwatch One was the prequel to Overwatch 2 because Overwatch essentially is a story being told of the origins of characters leading up to present day Overwatch which takes place in Overwatch 2 right so very very interesting or lore wise yeah so it's very interesting but again with like the direction and new leads for the games it's huge huge concerns huge concerns red flags and uh, Jeff Kaplan, like, left very unceremoniously. Oh, yeah. He, he peaced. <laughs> he <was> like, <laughs> goodbye, peace. There was no, there was no big send-off. It was just like, nope. yeah, he just disappeared one day. And that was that. Terrible. Yeah, that, that little note or whatever. Yeah, it was like a phone note. It's like, yeah. for a guy who was so <laughs> beloved by the community, for a guy to not have a proper send-off, that, that's a huge, huge red flag. Yeah. Definitely, uh, so, yeah. So, Kevin, I know you don't play sense. Overwatch, but uh, you know, have you ever been in part of communities or Just Blizzard community? Doesn't Blizzard? He doesn't have played. He might not play Blizzard. Or even games. not? Yeah, maybe not. Blizzard. Like, have you been part of any like big gaming communities that you know come to mind? Uh, any big gaming communities? Um, hmm. Take I don't. Mind. Yeah, in terms of any communities, um, not really. Like, I kind of lurk on like subreddits and stuff yeah um one that i was kind of more active in was for a mobile game that i used to play back in the early-ish 2010s yeah. it was for uh, love live school idol festival is a rhythm game so it, it was a like i used to go go on the reddit quite often like subreddit quite often i was actually like there to like give people advice and stuff and like look for advice my, like myself i'm some of that I found on subreddit, I ended up meeting in real life because he's from. Oh, uh, that's cool. Yeah, like uh, yeah, like I, he was a mutual friend uh, for like between like when I got into the card gaming community in the last probably six years or so, I ended up meeting him. Like I saw like the the like the ID he used a lot of the time, and I like why does that look so familiar? And I'm like, oh hey, it's the guy I talked to like <laughs> way back when. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That's crazy. So talk, 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 talk to us more about the card gaming community. What got you into it, and how is it now? Oh, okay, awesome. So I still play card games. Actually, I have a booster box that I got a while a while back. This is for a product called Cardfight Vanguard oh, yeah, uh, Overdress. Yeah. This is their newest reboot of the series. But way back when, I got into a card game called Weisschwartz. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Is, um, it, is that the one that has, like, multiple cameos of, like, different series? Yes, exactly. Okay. I actually, have explain this one to me. Yeah, so this one is um, White Schwartz itself. It's a trading card game where each of the sets, unlike, for example, like Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic, where it's like, oh, they release support for either like specific archetypes or specific in Magic like, specific colors and stuff like that, and then like you're able to just build off, uh, build new decks based off the newest sets that are there. With White Schwartz. The set that comes out is the anime series itself. Uh, and then sometimes if they're popular, oh. 
then they'll just keep getting, like, they'll get, like, a second booster, a third booster, like, a small booster, stuff like that. But otherwise, for the most part, once an anime is added into the game, that's kind of it for their support, unless it's really, really big and popular, or there's, like, source material that they can take. Usually the source is either a new season of the anime, or sometimes it's a game. Because Persona oh. 5 is actually in the Ooh. game as well. And it is, a ver- it is a very expensive set. <laughs> Joker is really, really good. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I got into that way back in 2015. Would you like to hear the story how I got into that? Please. That sounds great. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So it started out as a trip to Wonderland. Okay. With me and okay. a couple of my friends that, like, a couple of like, the best friends I met in university. Uh, we took a weekend to go up to Wonderland, hang out for the day. Then the next day, the Sunday... I had a friend who was signed up for a fighting game tournament, just like a weeklies or something, but it was hosted in downtown, like on Spadina. Okay. So we dropped off our friend, then we just hung around downtown for a while, then we came back, and then he wasn't done yet, so we just kind of checked out the store, and they had a product called Weiss Schwartz, and the reason it drew us in is because I saw Angel Beats. Oh. Angel Beats was something I was really into back then. Yeah. So they had the trial deck for Angel Beats, and they had like some booster packs available for the English version of the game. My friend, he really likes the Monogatari series, yeah. so he bought a Baki Monogatari trial deck. So he got one, I got one. We opened our products there. In Weiss Schwartz, um, there are cards that are hot stamped or hot foiled with like mm-hmm. basically we call them SPs. It's basically like a signature yeah. of usually the voice actor or actress who voices that character. Don't think I have anything. Actually, I do. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. It looks just looks like a like it's like it's like a gold like foil. Yeah, it's like a gold foiling. So here's one for Levi. So there's oh, some shit. gold the foiling on there from production the production quality. Actually, looks yeah. pretty good. So that's the SP version. I can show you like a non SP version, like side by side. So those are the same cards. Uh, one is one is the special foiling. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the rare edition, essentially. Though, yes, it is a it. Um, yeah, it's like higher rarity. It's like um, it's not guaranteed in a box in a booster box that you buy. You're not guaranteed the SP. Yeah. So they are more sought after and like they're more rare. Yeah. But yeah, and then that kind that trip I took with my friends just kind of led us down this slope of always buying these sets and like getting into the card game for the last for the, like the next couple of years the next few years a couple of my friends are still into it because i don't go up to the gta as much anymore yeah i don't have as many opportunities to play uh so i haven't really updated any of my decks or gone into a new set probably in the last couple of years mm, i see like i know a few people who like you actually don't actually spend that much money on the card games. It's really interesting because they just kind of recycle. Like they pull a few deck, pull a few packs, sell the more expensive cards, and then just recycle the money. So it doesn't end mm-hmm. up being too too expensive. Right. Are you the type to just kind of strategically spend like that, or are you the type of guy just to kind of hoard everything? I'm definitely I, the hoarder type. <laughs> I do know some friends who do exactly what you mentioned. They kind of like get like the flavor of the month, and yeah. then like they try to move product. Yeah in order to kind of make a small profit, then just keep doing that. But yeah, I am also the hoarder type. <laughs> uh, so uh, sometimes like if I have some friends who are looking for some of the stuff I pull, yeah, if I don't need it, then I'll sell it to them for like a good price. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I usually, like I have all like the commons and the uncommons in yeah. like droves. 
<laughs> on, my shelf, on my shelf over there. You could probably like you plaster your whole wall, make a nice wallpaper with them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I can probably plaster my house to be honest. <laughs> oh damn! Wait, so what would be considered a good price? Because I know um, like. Oh, like yeah, Pokemon so, cards can go yeah. create like a, the the rarest Charizard you can sell for like hundred dollars or some shit right yeah. like hundreds yeah even yeah I just uh, look at the market value like usually we have like these sites that we generally use usually for especially for like the because a lot of the time we play the Japanese product rather than the English version of the game yeah um so we have a site that we use where we kind of check what the secondary market's kind of looking like and then mm. we either either sell at that price like we just convert to Canadian or we just say like, we'll just knock off like five ten bucks depending on like how expensive the card is yeah so it's like five oh, ten dollars so it considered. depends it yeah. depends on the uh the card itself so let's go back to like the joker from earlier yeah um so it's a really good card so the secondary market even though persona 5 the set itself i want to say came out three years ago something in sure. japan the card itself i believe right now is still valued at about four thousand yen wow which is about forty five Forty-eight dollars yeah. Canadian. Wow, damn. Good, good okay. Persona Five. I think it's one of the most successful Persona series. Yeah, it definitely drew in a lot of fans yeah. into the into the community. Yeah, I I enjoyed that game thoroughly. I still have R. I haven't played yet the expansion version. Mm-hmm. I hear I hear Persona Six is in development though. So you know. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, yeah, from the speaking. I've heard that even. as well. I don't think Martin has even finished Persona Five yet. I didn't. So. Persona 5 was my first Persona game, yeah. or like right. Shin Megami Tensei game. Yeah. I actually really enjoyed it. Why did I stop? I, I really enjoyed that game, to be honest. I think, you know what? I think another new game just came out, and then that distracted me. Yeah. I think, it's just I, just so, kinda... yeah. I think it's much harder to play like solo games. I think part of like console games is that it's not as fun when you're not playing with everyone else. Right. So, for example, my friends and I, we play Valorant a lot. And it's like the same game over and over again. But it's okay because you're at the end of the day, you're playing with somebody. And there's that camaraderie that you don't get from just playing by yourself. It's funny. Like, before, I would always prefer single-player games. Just yeah. because some of the most... My most favorite games... Yeah. It, just from memory and, like, personal experience were single-player games. Like, if you can... So I'm the type of gamer that really enjoys lore and story and, and growth of characters, almost like a movie to me. So and you get that more out of a single player experience. Yeah. And I was like that for, I want to say the longest time. Like honestly, all from the start of my, my gaming, I wouldn't even call it career, but my great gaming, yeah. I don't know, journey, journey yeah. if you will. I, I don't even know what word I would call it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But I think nowadays... I, I tend to yeah agree with you, Dan. While I still enjoy those single player games and and those big story games and and whatnot, I don't find myself finishing as many of them as yeah. as I used to. Yeah. Like in comparison, simply because if my friends start playing this, I don't know whatever blank multiplayer game, then yeah. it's like I'm kind of pulled towards that, and and then I get distracted, and then that mm-hmm. game kind of goes on the shelf, so to yeah. speak. Mm-hmm. I think it's all also like. You know, you can play with friends and these online games. It's shorter spurts of dedication time, whereas for console games, it definitely is a marathon versus a sprint, right? Mm, and yeah. it takes a lot longer. These games are designed to take up at least sixteen to twenty hours, bare minimum, to finish, right? Oh, like like a good like like uh, Persona Five as a good 
JRPG, you're looking at 40 to like 60 yeah. hours. I mean, that's if you're like rushing it, you know, taking yeah. sweet time with it. Yeah, you can yeah, spend a lot yeah. more. I know I have. I spent a good yeah. amount of time farming it. Definitely. Um, it was a good, it's a, it definitely is a great game, though. Lore-wise, I, I definitely recommend anybody, but it, it, you really got to sit your ass down and like spend some good time with it. It mm. definitely is not something you can just kind of like zoom out uh, right away. Anyways, going back to Kevin real quick, I guess to end off. So what's the like for your collection you're growing in terms of cards and whatnot i know martin and i we've pretty much purged our card collections at this point we just like actually i don't know martin's just, i think martin's still I, in his basement i think yeah i think they're still dusty in a in a box somewhere in my basement at least some of them some of them i've i've tried to get rid of and, and sell but yeah i think there's still some somewhere i want to say we should just just one day just like pull it together and just sell it on the kg or something <laughs> i'd be down it's funny See, like, when I discovered Magic the Gathering Arena or MTG Arena, yeah. which is, like, essentially a phone game of Magic, yeah, it kind of resurfaced a lot of memories. Yeah, I'm like, oh, man, I remember those days when I was playing Magic with my friends and we'd be sitting on, like, the playground or the pavement yeah. or whatever, and I'd, I'd play during school, recess. But back then, it was... The barrier to entry was a lot higher because yeah. you had to spend real money to get yeah, the cards. Yeah, it's really expensive. Right? Yeah. yeah. And my parents didn't let me because they're like, oh, you're wasting money on cards, right? Yeah. And so my friend who could buy cards always had the better decks and I'd always lose and it would be very frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I'm like, what? Every time we played, I'd have to take the card, read it, and be like, what the hell? That's OP. Yeah. And then and then he destroys me. So, But n- now that it's on the phone, it's a lot more accessible. Available virtually. Yeah. I don't need, you can spend money as well to yeah. buy those booster packs, but. I haven't spent a penny, and they give you a, enough free, or you can earn them through in-game money again. Yeah, that uh, I'm like I've amassed a collection, so it's like it makes. I still have fond memories of my physical cards, but it definitely kind of puts them to shame because yeah. my cards were, and my decks were not that good. <laughs> yeah, I was not enjoyer of Magic and just like in Starcraft, I did not play the actual game too much. I enjoyed it. I know how to play, just enjoy it as much. But I have a lot of the books. I have the really old school books. They're really good. Oh. I think one of my favorites is the I forget what it's called. Was it the Onslaught series? It's one with I have the one with Phage a, and uh, Chroma. That's uh, Legion. Is that it's it's Scourge, Legion, and Onslaught. It's part Scourge, of the same yeah. it's the same cycle. It's the trilogy, right? Yeah. And then Ravnica was good too. Mirrodin was good too. I read all oh, those. Those are beyond. Me. The books are good. The books are definitely very good. I enjoyed them like thoroughly as a kid. I was more of a bookworm than, a, than an actual gamer when I was mm. a teenager, but that's okay. I still enjoyed the stories. But anyways, back to Kevin. What's the long? <laughs> what's sorry? The- I keep getting distracted. I know it's okay. Uh, what's the what's the long term game with your cards? Are you the type of guy that's just gonna keep them forever and you know treasure them? Okay, I know for a friend, he like he's cutting Legos. You know, he yeah. builds them and Gundams, other things. You know, he puts in a shelf and like so. You know, these gonna be worth something when, one day because Legos. They're they're priceless. They're gonna be worth something one day, right? Yeah, they're they're already Lego worth sets are expensive. Like, if you get those like unboxed Lego uh, or yeah. unopened Lego sets, yeah, you can get sell them for like hundreds of dollars. Yeah, like really old sets right now. Woo, yeah. you can get you a pretty penny. But anyways, he's like he's like you know I know they'd be worth a lot one day, but uh, I'm just gonna keep them. Like they're just gonna be sit- sitting in my shelf for life. Just the boxes, like, like unopened boxes of Lego. No, like he's he he builds them all. He doesn't just oh, okay. he doesn't gotcha, just gotcha. like um, like you know collect dust. Sure. But uh, what, so what's your what's your long term game with your cards? 
long term, I probably will be keeping them. Like, unlike my friends in the community, I don't buy as much as them. So I don't have as large of a collection, so they don't take up as much space as, uh, for example, my except, friend except who has comments. like, <laughs> yeah, except for those comments <laughs> in the comments. Even then, I don't buy too, too much, thankfully. Usually I just go, I usually do like four booster boxes of the set that, of like the anime set that I go in. So the last one would have been probably for like Steins Gate, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And that was oh, the last I time I, that. yeah, that's the last time I bought a set, I think, for White Shorts. And I'd be willing to come back into the game if and when they do a new Lock Horizon set. Because mm-hmm. that one's for, that one was the, outside of that first initial um, Angel Beats English trial deck I had, Lock Horizon was the first actual deck I played in the game. Yeah. Lock Horizon is a good story. I read the yeah. short, I read the short novel for it. They yes. have they had a Madoka series too, no? For the short shorts, they do, they do. Yeah. It, it's gotten quite a number of sets just because they had their like the initial, the initial anime season. They have what, like a movie set. Yeah. They have an uh, extra sets for like, the 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 mobile app, the mobile game that they have. Yeah. Um. They have like a set for that one as well. Isn't that isn't it like shut down now? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's <laughs> shut down. I've been yeah. trying to get I'm trying to get Martin to watch the uh, the OG Madoka because I was yeah. telling him how it was uh. It pretty much turned the magical girl kind of genre and turned upside down. Yeah, because uh, Urubuji again. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he he knows how to write the stories. There's like a bingo card with like tropes that he's famous for ha- including in the stories that he writes. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll I'll uh, Dan, I'll send you uh, like a copy of like that bingo sheet because uh, <laughs> he's notorious for having those specific tropes in his series. Okay. Uh, he actually uh, uh, he actually wrote the story for Fate Zero. Oh yeah, so that's why the tone is a little bit different from like Fate yeah. Day Night and all the yeah. others. It's because he had full reign over this, how that story it went. It definitely is a lot darker for sure. Yeah, a little more serious. Also, I think it was something we didn't know talk about in terms of the Fate Fate series is that they have a tendency to gender bend a lot of characters. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's... lots of gender bending going around. <laughs> I think I think that's what made it novel though. It's, it definitely made it sell more. I think. Right. I think I think that was the purpose as well. Like, uh, because I'm pretty sure art, like the main character, the main the the main servant in the game, like the kind of the face is Arthur Pendragon. Yeah. But they realized that I think they figured that oh, a female version would be a lot more popular or it would sell more. So they gender bent the male into a female. So they uh, they named her Artoria Pendragon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, is that her name? Yeah. Well, it depends. It's, it's, it kind of gets lost in translation sometimes. It's, yeah. it's a mix between Artoria, Altria, etc. Yeah. But it's fine. It's still, it's still the same character. But yeah, I mean, like, good for good for them. It's uh, the 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 Fate franchise is still ongoing, and you know, I think Fate Grand Grand Order has been really successful in having the, in my opinion, like. Like a lot of great offshoot like media media forms, you know movies, <laughs> yeah, you know DVD sets, uh, yeah. card games, etc. Like they they do really well for themselves. Yeah, they have a cooking anime. They have a cooking anime. There's a also co- also a switch. <laughs> uh, there's switch a switch, n- the Nintendo Switch game based off of the cooking anime. Yeah. It's what? basically it's basically cooking mama. Yeah, I was just gonna say, is it like cooking? Yeah, that's yeah. only hundred percent, hundred percent. That's a parody jokes. series now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. I think you should. I think you should try getting into the Fate series, Martin. It's a huge rabbit hole. I watched. 
Uh, so during undergrad, I watched one of these series. I can't even remember which one it was called. I think it was Zero. Zero? Zero's a good one, though. Shit. I, I can't one. remember. Uh, I have a friend who, who was really into it, and he, he kind of got me to watch it. And in the beginning, I wasn't kind of into it, but then I... I after a while I went back around. I'm like, all right, let, you know what? Let's just let's just finish. Like I watched, I think the first attempt. I watched like yeah, four or five episodes. Yeah, and then I stopped, and then I went back and I finished it. So it was like, nice. it was interesting. I I like how they took the mythology of, uh, well, not necessarily mythology, well, partial mythology of some some of the heroes or characters. Yeah, were, right. Whereas others were actually uh, like historical figures, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And the whole lore with like this this contest, but then everyone's kind of like backstabbing each other. Um, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I I think it's great. It's great that like, like Fate series, like they have different like the PS PS games, etc. And they're all written by different people. So our storylines that are written the same way. So there's different different authors having their own like take on how the fate's universe works so this is all very but, interesting but they're not connected though are they uh they- not really they kind of we kind of group them in as we call it a nasu verse because yeah. the original author of the visual novel his name's kinoko nasu so we right. kind of just like we just kind of broad like his universe yeah mm, okay. think of it like the marvel cinematic not cinematic but the marvel universe he's like you know Universe X, whatever. Oh, yeah, like Earth 616 yeah. and then yeah, the other. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, I see. So, like, just a variance of the same characters, like Spider Man has, you know, Miles Morales versus uh, Peter Parker, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. But so I guess just using Spider Man as, like, the comparison, because they eventually connect, hence the Spider Verse. Uh, right, think, Do those yeah. connect? Uh, they, they, I think the, the time they cross over is in Grand Order, is when they yeah. have collabs. That's oh. when they cross over. But otherwise, right. they generally kind of stay in the, within their own universes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Unless they were kind of like meant to be like prequels, sequels, etc., or like alternate timelines and yeah. stuff like that. They they do have a what's that character that keeps coming back in Final Fantasy? There's a character that just gets named the same character but shows up in every single Final Fantasy. Chocobo. No, no, no. It's a guy. Oh. <laughs> um... You know you you know what I'm talking about? It's like the. He's, he's, just, like, he's, like, he's like an engineer in like Final Fantasy VII. Engineer? Wait, which... Hold on. Which character comes back uh, in every Final Fantasy? Sid? Yeah, Sid comes back. Yeah, so it's Sid. Sid comes back in every single Final Fantasy. In some way really? or form. Someone's named Sid. Yeah. But oh. it's not always the same Sid, right? No, it's not always the same Sid. So yeah. Fate has the same thing. They just scions. There's always a yeah. scion in every game. Or universe but it's not necessarily the same scion yeah but anyways, okay. we can th- we can go about like we can geek out a little <laughs> more next time or something like that but i think this is gonna wrap it up really nicely i think this is a really good like you know session talking about uh not just gacha games which was the intention of the pod but really kind of dove into gaming in general loot boxes and just everything about gaming in our own childhoods which is you know great to have and refreshing from our usual topics Anyway, so thank you again, Kevin, for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Hope you had a good time. Yeah, thanks for and, having me here. And hopefully you'll come back next time for some for another episode. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, Kevin, where can people find you uh, if they're looking out for you? Uh, so you can find me on Twitch and Twitter under Catalyst04, K-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T-04. 
and we will put the links <laughs> to your <laughs> social medias and whatnot in the description down below. Anyways, <laughs> folks, until next time, this is Down to Chat Podcast. This is Dan, and we are signing off, and we'll see you next time. Ciao. Bye, guys. Take care.